Hello and welcome to Mindset Musings Podcast, recorded from officially the most entrepreneurial city in the country, Portsmouth. Ben Miles, co-founder of one of the UK's largest music festivals, and Cy Gardner, co-founder of one of the hot 100 and fastest growing recruitment companies in Britain, search far and wide for what drives the most successful people from their chosen sectors, business, leadership, sports, and media. Now over to Ben and Simon for this week's show. Welcome to Mindset Musings, um, a slightly different uh, episode this week. Um, we, we'd all, you know, kind of always planned to uh, interview each other just to give the, obviously the listeners some, some context as to uh, obviously the hosts and who you're listening to. We've also um, read quite a few of the five star reviews of which at the time of recording, I think we've got about what, almost 100 now, Ben, have we in, in a couple of weeks, which is fantastic. Yes, yeah, it's going very well. Yeah, thanks for yeah. all the reviews left by everybody. Yep, thank you. Keep keep going with that. Obviously, it, it does does make a huge difference. But we we have noticed um, a, a few reviews where people were asking for you know to, to sort of maybe turn the spotlight um, you know temporarily on on either Ben or myself. So this week we are going to be chatting to Ben basically about about obviously his career so far, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and and um, yeah, some of the lessons he's learned along the way. So um, we'll launch in. So. Ben, obviously, kind of up until this point, we're, we're we're doing a podcast, but let's let's rewind all the way back. So, um, you know, what was kind of like early life like for you? You know, how how, how did you get started? Um, I suppose in terms of career, uh, I've always been hugely into my music. Um, so, uh, just for a bit of context, my upbringing, I'm, I'm born and raised in Portsmouth. Um, so uh, my, I have two brothers that are both twins and I was raised by uh, my mum as a single parent. So shout out to all the single parents out there. Um, so, and I went to school and college, studied music at South Downs College, which is a local college here in Portsmouth. Um, and then from there on, while, while I was at school uh, and through college, I was in, in bands and just met a lot of like-minded people within that industry really. And um decided that that was something I'd like to pursue as a career. We we used to put on um, some gigs down at a local pub called The Horseshoe, which had a, a gigging room above it. Um, and we used to DJ in, in the local uh, clubs, in the uh, in the indie clubs, uh, eventually a, a club called Chaos and then Delight. Um, so I was always in the sort of local music scene um we used to do stuff like when we promoted our gigs we used to do uh fly posting um which is now illegal which is probably a good thing um but that was where we used to go out and um and uh with a bucket of wallpaper paste in a van and drive around town and put our gig posters on hoardings around building sites yeah i Um, I must admit i never knew that was illegal now yeah, it's been. I just, I just, I just assume people didn't do it because you didn't really need to. Obviously, with the social media and events pages and stuff. Well, yeah, that 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 kind of would have eventually kind of killed it off, I imagine. Anyway, but I th- yeah, it's been it's been quite a while now. I think I can't remember exactly when the law was passed, but yeah, it's, it's been um, definitely definitely over ten years. Oh yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I used to do that, and I used to set up the local rig at the uh, at the indie club Chaos on the pier. It's how I kind of got in with with those guys, um, and eventually I was asked to become one of the DJs there, which was good, um, fantastic break for me. And I never, you know, I was underage at the time. I never told anyone my age. Um, they just assumed that I was old enough. No one ever asked, or just didn't want to know the answer. Yeah, just didn't want to know the answer. Yeah, I could have messed a few things up. Um, so yeah, I think I was 16 when I first got that gig, which was quite yeah. good. Um, and then yeah, off the back of that, we had an, another alternative night, which I used to DJ at, which we actually grew quite large. We had, um, I remember at one stage, it, it, it was on a Monday night. Uh, it was only cheap entry to get in like, a couple of quid on the door, but we were doing about 1,100 people a, a night. What, on a Monday? Yeah, on a Monday not, night. Not, yeah. not, 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 what, students or...? Um, yeah, uh, a, mix, a, a mix of a student crowd, but there was a local element to it as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And I always remember, I hated this. They put a huge banner on the side of the club, like huge, with my face on it. <laughs> and um, like I, I hated it. And every time I used to go past on the bus, I used to cringe. And like when I'd get to college, people would like obviously take the mickey and, <laughs> and pass comment on it. And um, yeah, it was up there for ages. So that that's one thing that um, sticks out in my mind. But anyway, we, we, it was a hugely successful club night and um, people seemed to really enjoy it. I think the capacity of the club was only about 900, but where we'd have sort of turnover of people going, yeah, we were doing like 1,100 people, yeah. um, which is which is crazy numbers really. And I remember we did a gig in um, a night in a local pub called The One-Eyed Dog. Um, again, packed out. I think they took their record bar take at the time. Um, and it was kind of then in those days, I sort of thought, you know, we've got something here. You know, we, we kind of, we know what we're doing. We know how to put gigs and shows on. Um, and then we went on from there, really. And um, in, into the other stuff, there, there was one point for me, actually, in amongst all that, which was I applied for a job at Virgin Megastores. So I worked for my uncle at the time who had a secondhand record shop, which is very successful, uh, independent little shop. Yeah. Um, but there was... I must admit, the, the, the Virgin thing... Um, We've the, you're the third guest on this show. I don't know whether you know, we've done a running order of the releases uh, as as we record them, but you're the third guest to actually have either applied or got a job there at Virgin, aren't you? Is that is it? Was that the one uh, in in Commercial Road? Yeah, in, in Commercial Road. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I'd noticed that. Yeah, I think um, a couple of our other guests have mentioned they weren't there. They actually got the job, so. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I I um. I went for a job there and I think three or four of my other close friends, we all went for a job. They were applying for a lot of guys, like mainly weekend stuff. Um, and I thought I've got a good chance here. You know, I'm DJing in the local clubs. We're doing the numbers that I just mentioned. Um, you know, and it, it was, it was, you know, Virgin Megastores was obviously new music as opposed to where I was working in the, in the vinyl shop. Um, so I thought I'd get good access to, you know, new releases and that, you know, sort of stuff. And, um, all the other lads got the job and I didn't. And um, it it really like, yeah, got to me. I just, yeah. I don't know, any, I don't, any particular reason? I don't know why. I don't know why. I really don't know. I was thinking about it earlier before we started was it, was it Was it the 30 C CDs you shoved up your jumper as you walked yeah. out of the job? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might have been that. No, I, I don't know. I don't want to mention the guy's name, but I do remember his name. I remember his face very well. Um, but I, I kind of have used that since ever since as a sort of motivation yeah. uh to drive me on and it, it, it's not even because i i know this guy well and i i see him regularly and i want to you know rub his face in it mm. but i've always kind of used that as a 
you know, a, a pretty low point really. And um, I've, mm. I've used that as motivation uh, for, for other stuff that I've done. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's it. I mean, obviously I, you know, I've, I've worked in recruitment now for, for knocking on 15 years and quite honestly, sometimes, um, I mean, we don't do it here, but you, you, you can kind of tell with some of the sort of, you know, kind of candidates that we've worked with over the years the the, the real upstart ones the ones that are gonna you know deliver the most value maybe but but not be easy to manage quite often they don't get the job um i'm not saying that that was the case but you know you know there's 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 a whole plethora of reasons that people don't get the uh, kind of offer the job and half of them are, are actually backhanded compliments and people obviously don't can't can't necessarily see it at the time and obviously you're not going to see it at the time are you but um you know i, I wouldn't worry too much mate you haven't done too badly um <laughs> there, were, there I, was also there was also one other job actually uh, um just quickly while we're talking about the early days before it really kicked off i went for a job um in a call center yeah and uh i got the interview because a good friend of mine was one of the bosses within the within the company within the team and i went to the interview and it was a day of sort of sat through presentations and you know job descriptions etc and i didn't even get that job either. <laughs> uh it was the job was taking inbound calls for hotel room bookings for travel lodge just so yeah. you know um and i didn't even get that job and I, uh, I'd like I'd like to I'd like to see your interview technique. I, I, I think you know there's, sure. there's, there's 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 obviously a theme here. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's terrible. Yeah, but the difference being with with the music with Virgin, I was banging to my music, and I remember yeah. in the interview I was talking about people in bands and releases, and you know I knew what I was talking about, and they could tell I was passionate. Whereas quite clearly with this, with this job, I was trying to make ends meet, and um, I just yeah. wasn't. I didn't have the passion or the drive to be doing that sort of thing. So that's quite clearly why I didn't get it. But to say that um, I, I, uh, it was overruled and I was given the job actually in the end. And um, I lasted three days. I just couldn't, couldn't handle it. And again, if you want to talk about low points, that, that was definitely one for me. Cause I just thought I can't even get a job in a call center. No. Um, so yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the early days. But you know, it, it, it panned out, but okay. So, and this was, this was, either before or during school, wasn't it? Or just after school, obviously, when you started DJing at 16. Um, and you went to... My dad taught you, didn't he? Yes, your dad was my teacher, yeah. Yes, that's the gardener. That's random, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and, and what was he like? Was he all right? Yeah, he was good, actually. I'm not just saying that because I'm chatting to you, but no, I've always... I've always got on really well, your dad. Um, you're a fantastic teacher and, uh, and an even better bloke. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, we, we've just recently moved house and he, you know, he's in his 70s now, but he just can't, can't do enough for us, which is, you know, he's round, he's putting curtains up, he's putting shelves up, which is just as well, because I can't do a single <laughs> thing in that respect. But yeah, he's a good guy, old dad. Um, yeah, everyone loves him. So, um, okay, cool. So we, we then moved into, so obviously you, you've, you've been let go from your, from your job where you may actually overruled someone. Obviously, you gave it a good, a good stint, three days, um, to to really make sure you sort of, you know, backed his belief in you. Um, <laughs> that wasn't an awkward one when when she came in. Um, obviously, the interview and, and you know gave it the oh, I told you so's. But well, and then and then and then where obviously where do we go from there? So um, around that time, I was at college still. Um, I was studying music up at college, and uh, some friends of mine. I was in a band not a very good one but uh some friends of mine were in a band up there that were doing quite well and they got picked up by um management 
of a band called the uh, Cooper Temple Clause, um, who had taken them on under his wing and was sort of getting them some gigs around the south of England. And um, I was just tagging along, really, as, you know, roadie, you know, whatever you want to sort of describe it, just just cruising around with them, really, learning the ropes. And, um, yeah, I got to know Pete, who was the, the manager at the time. And um, he just gave me a call one day out of the blue and said, uh, oh, our um, swag man, uh, which is the guy that sells merchandise, isn't available for the next tour. It's only like a five five night tour in the UK. Do you fancy it? And I was 18 and I was like, yeah, do I? <laughs> um, so that was, that was quite good. So I went off and did that um, and met the band. And the band at the time when uh, I joined up with them, they were still in their prime because they, they were, they were a really, really popular band at the time. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they were at the height basically, I think of, um, of their career at the time. And um, what a fantastic thing that was to do at 18 years of age. Yeah. You know, you're off on a tour bus with famous rock stars and, mm. you know, some really what, cool blokes on a what, tour what, bus. What are those tour buses like? Cause obviously, you know, you, you obviously you see on the TV at, at, the, at, at the top level, they're amazing, aren't they? What are they like, you know, at your sort of more more local gig level, um, yeah. Well, they probably weren't sort of like Britney Spears Winnebago luxury, <laughs> but but um, no, they were they were pretty good. You know, they're the proper star line of buses that you see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's twelve thirteen men in a bus in the summer. Yeah. yeah. A bit smelly. Um, you know, there's a lot of beer cans and sort of empty sandwich packets lying around. It's a bit like a student digs on wheels, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was great. And I, I saw, I, I did that for about three or four years. So we went all over the UK. We were off at like three, four weeks at a time. Sometimes we did a bit of Europe, we did France, Holland, Belgium. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was good. And, and for someone of 18 years of age, that was, um, well, mind blowing really to have that opportunity. Not, not many people get to do that. Yeah. So, so, so was it pretty full on touring or was it that just intermittently dispersed yeah, know, throughout was, sort of side jobs and stuff? Yeah, it was very intermittent. I was a, I was a labourer as well on a building site for a couple of years, yep. um, which is where I worked with Andy, who's now one of my business partners. We started Victorious Festival together and we've got other, other ventures going. Yep. So we, I, I was sort of labouring, um, yeah, Monday to Friday on a building site, you know, for rubbish money. Um but it allowed me, they were quite flexible. So if a tour came in and I, you know, I could take three weeks off, that was fine. They just find someone, uh, a replacement for me for, for that time. So yeah, just in and out of jobs. Like I say, I worked part-time for my uncle in a record shop. Um, so just doing bits, bits and pieces, part-time work, but I've always had a fairly good work ethic. Really. I've always sort of, you know, put myself out there and, and networked and, and sort of made connections with people that I need to make, which has always been one of my strengths, I think. Um, so yeah, and then off the back of the touring, the tour manager, uh, Roberto, lovely guy, um, he was also the uh, Room One production manager at Fabric Nightclub in London. Yeah. Um, a real cult venue, if anyone doesn't know Fabric. Um, uh, it's been going for many years. And um, he said, do you fancy coming up on the Friday Night Live stuff, being a stage assistant, um, come and learn the ropes? And that was that was that was crazy because i was working sometimes on a friday i finish work go home shower 
jump on the train to London. Mm. I'd get to fabric in Farringdon for about 7 p.m. Work through the night till 5, 6 a.m. Get on a bus back to Waterloo, train back to Portsmouth, and then straight to my Saturday job for a 10 a.m. Oh, start. No. Yeah, no, I did. I look back at it now and I cannot believe how I managed to do that. No, I um, mean, if, if I send you these days, if I send you a, or anyone, you know, send you a text message after 8.15, you expect that to be answered it in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Christ, that, that's, um, that's some going, mate. Yeah, uh, I, I did do it, but I think, subcon- I, didn't, I didn't even think I knew it at the time, but I think subconsciously, I just knew that I was making such good connections with some yeah. people in some high places. Yeah. I just thought I cannot pass these opportunities up. Um, so I did it and, you know, <laughs> probably induced myself in some sort of later life burnout, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, I, but I had to, and, you know, not only did I have to make the connections, I also needed to earn the money um, yeah. because I was on just rubbish money at the time. Yeah. Um, but it, it all panned out well in the end because they're, you know, these are great people and these are connections of people I still have to this day. I, you know, I'm still in touch with them and um, I, I thank them all for the opportunities they gave me basically. Yeah, and and we'll 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 come on to the networking bit <clears throat> because you know it's it's clear to anyone from the outside looking in that you are you are a networker. That is basically what essentially what you do. Um, but you know it, it's interesting because in those early days you probably and and you know these days you know I don't I don't want to generalise, but a lot of people won't do something unless they see the immediate benefit, um, and um, you know they won't they won't put the effort in until they know you know what you know what kind of why the effort's going in and and, and that's the thing you, you probably didn't know the eventual outcome obviously who who was to tell but you know kind of effort in is is equal reward out but that's further down the line and it was all really those those sort of connection meetings and um yeah and and, and obviously you know just just saying yes to to to, to most things and then worrying about how it's going to be delivered after yeah 100 percent I am. Um, I I sometimes go into universities or college. But they ask me to go in and do talk about careers and especially in music departments. Uh, and I always make it abundantly clear what well, my view is that education is very important on, from an academic level. You know, it is it is a great thing to go and do. Um, but equally, if not more so, is experience. And some guys, some young guys and girls. And I, you know, I understand their position, but they'll they'll tend to try and steam through college and university. Get the got. The, oh, I just want to get the qualification. I want to get it done, signed off, and I want to go out. Mm. But in in reality, they probably don't realise it. But a lot of the time, they're actually doing themselves a disservice there by not getting the experience as well. Some guys want to just skip the year out for experience because they just want to complete the course quickly, and it's it's not really a good idea. I mean, if you can, if you if that's how you want to do it, I suggest that you try and work in the experience around your your academic stuff um so you're doing it at the same time um but for me uh, the experience is great you know like nowadays when i look at a cv for a job i'll have a quick scan through it but in my line of work i i tend to pick people on my intuition um on their characteristics um and how how they come across as opposed to necessarily what necessarily what academic background they've got yeah yeah <clears throat> they're very interesting you say that it's kind of you know how we've started to do that in, internally here over the over the last few years so the connections have been made the um you know the floating around really is is starting to come to an end and um you know this is kind of the the period that i sort of started to become aware of you and and um you know obviously locally but 
you know, your, your big break, if you like, and, and, and starting to get serious was around about 2006, you'd say? Yes, probably. I'd, I'd built up a lot of strong connections through the clubs and, and, and uh, that sort of scene. And I was working, as I mentioned, with Andy on the building site. And we used to, you know, as we're like putting insulation in lofts and digging footings for houses and stuff, you know, we're both into music, both a lot of similar, um, lot of similar interests. And we used to talk about music and bands and stuff all the time. And then we got into talking about, oh, we should do our own venue one day. Or, you know, we should do our own pub, et cetera, et cetera. And then we had another friend who Andy went to school with, James, who um, I think he'd been working for his dad in the building game as well, was just a bit fed up with it, a bit bored of it. And then he'd had some savings saved up. And um, as you do, over a few beers out, you know, you bond, you connect again, it's the whole networking thing. And then we float the conversation and and then it turns to, you know, James sort of saying, well, I've got a bit of money we can invest, you know, I can invest the money and you guys can put the what's called the sweat equity, I believe, you know, um, in, into it with the knowledge and the know-how that you bring to the table. And, and that's exactly what we did. We went and got a lease on a pub, 2006. Um, and a bit like we had a conversation with one of our guests recently. Um, I suppose we were winging it. <laughs> there yeah. was no real game plan. We just knew that we had experience in the industry. We'd worked in bars as well before. We knew we had experience and we knew from putting on gigs and touring that we, uh, from having successful shows that we knew that we could, you know, sell a crowd out if we, if we put our minds to it. So we kind of went into it fairly blindly and that was, that was the start. Yeah. We got our first pub down on Albert road in Southsea. And that was obviously when the little Johnny Russells was born. Um, And it it, it was funny because I I remember that being a, a, you know, quite a few different, types of 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 bar and it was you know quite a few of them were too a bit too swanky for albert road and then you guys came in a bit more real obviously a bit closer to the market that you obviously wanted to kind of pitch at um and it just exploded didn't it just became you know and it, and it all and it was was part of re, really kind of that section of our city re, being reborn really it was almost like the first pub and from there loads of other decent pubs spawned off and it's still still busy now yeah it was actually it was kind of the perfect storm the timing of it all um it was around when the licensing laws changed. So anyone that's old enough uh, that's listening will remember the, the old way of going out drinking on a weekend would be you'd, you'd, you'd hit the pub till half 10, 11, all the pubs would empty and everyone would go to club nights or, or nightclubs um, yeah. or, or late night venues. That's just, that's how it worked. And then in 2006, um, seven, I yeah. might've might been slightly earlier than that. Um, the, the licensing laws changed. So pubs, um, could stay open later so what you tend to find is where we had a music background we were like right we've got room for a little dance floor yeah. uh, we'll book some djs for some bands that we we had connections with some you know current indie uh, acts at the time and obviously it's good value for the customer because they get to come and have a few drinks and watch you know even interact and have a chat with some guys that are in their favorite bands so we had that angle um and we we all, we had a crowd that were there already because they've been in there for a few hours beforehand. So, like I say, it was kind of the perfect storm, really. And in terms of success, yeah, it was huge. It took off massively. We had a really good name, um, busy all the time. And like you say, it did kind of reinvigorate that whole part of of where we were, um, and and made that whole area, that Albert Road area, kind of come alive again, really, which it, it had been flagging for a while. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, we had some fantastic times there. Um, some really good names came through. And um, yeah, we were there for about, I think, 10 years all in all before we had to give that lease back. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because um, I don't know if you know, you probably do, but um, my, my, my brother worked on the door um, of, of the previous incumbent's pub, basically. And I think you, you, obviously you and the other guys turned up one Sunday and said, oh, and, 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 he, and he was working with the mate, obviously, through another company. I've, I've got I've got the story of how I met your brother. That was that was that is true. He was um he 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 was the doorman at that venue prior to us taking over. But we we were in their building. We were refitting the bar, and he um you know your brother, great entrepreneur in his own right with his security company. Yeah. He came along and put his business card through the door as I was opening it. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's when I first met him and he said oh hi nice nice to meet you my name's Ollie etc etc um, and I said I'll oh, come on in and we sat down we had a coffee and a chat and and that was it and yeah we we, we still work with your brother today he's, he's done security for all of our doors all of our events over the years and now he he's provides uh, security for for the festival which is which is huge yeah yeah so that's, exactly that's, that's been again talking about relationships yeah um, that's been one that's been a, a good one a successful one and um some some good loyalty both ways there. Yeah, ex- exactly, and it just it just goes to show you know people can grow together if if uh, you know there's there's not a huge amount of competition there, and um, it's it, it was it was great to see, and um, yeah, it, you know what a chance meeting, and um, yeah, fantastic. Um, and then fr- from there, obviously, you know more 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 venues spawned. Um, I think it was what kind of two two three years later, something like that. Yeah, so we were getting to the point where. <laughs> We we were all we weren't that old. I mean, I was twenty one when we started. No, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, little, and yeah, I just remember you'd have those moments where people would be like, "I want to speak to the manager." Like, I am the manager. Don't mess <laughs> yes. me around. Go and get the yeah. manager. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I had plenty of those conversations, but um, yeah, it, it was about sort of three or four years in, and we were all kind of having conversations of it'd be quite nice to go and have our own pub where we could actually just sit down and have a chat and something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as opposed to like a, a venue, a music yeah. venue. Um, so yeah, we we took on a lease to another place in Osborne Road, which we called the Bell Isle. Um, and again, that was another multiple venue that changed hands a lot of times in the years leading up to it. Um, and a point which I'm sure you'll come on to in a bit we want to speak about, but I just remember again. It didn't have a reputation for trouble, but it had a reputation for not being successful. This this venue, yeah. Uh, for some reason, it didn't seem to work for other people. And I remember even these people coming up to me when they heard that we'd sort of got the lease for it, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, you want to be careful because this and you know this never really works." And oh yeah, basically doubting because they hadn't made it work. Yeah. Um, and writing us off. And I actually had the same thing. I remember it from not just one person, two or three people when we started uh, LJRs and Albert Road. You know, comments to you across the bar, like, what makes you think this is going to work? Your pub's a joke. Mm. You know, all these sort of things. And for all the nice things that people say, mm. it's these little snapshots that stick in my mind. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's those things that I've used um, to... Uh, uh, you know, as a, taken as a negative, and I've turned into a positive. Yeah, uh, almost. Yeah. You know, I like to prove the doubters wrong. But sorry to get back to the to the Bell Isle. Yeah, it, um, again hit the ground running, and it, it was a great success for the first four or five years we had it. Um, 
was was busy and and that was our plan then was to grow uh grow that in, into a multi-site venue across a few places we ended up opening another place in chichester which was another bell isle which was a big unit um so yeah that was that was stage two i suppose of the the journey in hospitality yeah yeah i mean how much do you put it down to um you know you 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 bring in your crowd into uh into a bar that or, or, or you know kind of a restaurant as it was um that, that hadn't succeeded or it was just a winning formula that you guys had found um or maybe a mixture of both yeah i definitely think the networking thing had a lot to do with it we'd built up a crowd our first venue was popular and people liked it so you you you're living off of your reputation as much as anything, but yeah, the product's got to be good as well. Yeah, that's that's another key key factor, um, and, and it was it was it it was a it was a good place, and people still comment to me. No, the, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, I I uh, I left the business about five five years ago, I think. Um, some other people took it over, and it unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. But um, I still have people comment to me now about the days that they've, the memories they've made in there, and the, you know the great great times they've had there, which is which is nice. So then, obviously, obviously after after the first Bell Isles opened, um, obviously then you've got the second one in in, in Chichester. That that's go, that's wearing away. Um, and then, obviously, what 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 you and the other guys are, are more well known for, I'd say, is obviously um, you know Victoria's Festival, which these days is one of the UK's largest festivals, um, sixty thousand people a day. Um, and thankfully, fingers crossed, still. But I think thankfully this year it, it will take place, um, obviously across the August Bank Holiday, um, and it's become a real huge event probably the biggest event in in Portsmouth annually um but how how did it all start because you know you, you've still only got three pubs so so what how, how did conversations about this festival start so we um were invited along to take part in an event which was happening in the historic dockyard down in Portsmouth um and we were asked uh, to put on some live entertainment and do the bars for this festival um so we went along and we worked with the team down there and some other some other guys were doing some bits and pieces and um we had obviously a strong background in events uh, sorry putting on gigs and stuff and uh, so we we had an idea that we might be able to make this work um and it was the queen's jubilee weekend 2012 uh, i think it was the first weekend in june from memory and um it was fantastic. Yeah, we booked some bands. We put a stage up next to the, the HMS Victory. Um, it was a free entry event. So uh, it was very well attended. Um, well, it was very well attended. It was, re- it was really busy. And it went really well. I think we'd kind of proved to people that we could put on a, a large-scale event in the city safely. Um, it was it was. A, good family crowd um because I, I i'd often found you'll you'll know this as well so because you grew up in portsmouth that i think the council were always a little bit wary about large-scale events especially with alcohol involved um because you know fears of antisocial behavior and nothing really used to go on did it down here when we were kids we had the south really. show which was a family day out yeah. I, I i remember the heineken beer festival do you remember that mm, yeah went years, a couple of times years, as a kid, years yeah. ago yeah but um and it, i think and, I th- and, and then it pretty much stopped didn't it yeah i think they i think there was some antisocial problem uh behavior at one of those festivals which is what kind of led to a bit of a void of any sort of large events for for quite a while um but anyway, that, uh, we, so going back to the dockyard, that was 
that was the the first kind of foray into doing the event and um the the guys at the dockyard were just really impressed with how we'd operated and we got on really well with them and they invited us back to to go again for the for the following year which is when victorious festival was was born really so we did another year there um I think it was what was the capacity? I think it was fifteen thousand was the capacity. Yeah, uh, we decided to charge for tickets um, because we just we had to. You know, you got infrastructure costs. Yeah. You couldn't. We couldn't make enough money from the bars to to service all the the setup. Um, kids went free though, so we we, we were quite um, adamant that you know we were going to make it as accessible as possible for the family audience. Um, and again, it sold out both days. Did two days. Um, we had level 42, uh, Maximo Park, uh, the Cribs. So it was a pretty decent lineup for a completely brand new festival. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we have a lot of sort of local and unsigned stuff as well, uh, as well, as well as, um, other entertainment. And, um, that went really well. And then I think from the back of that, that kind of made other people in the authority sort of sit up and take note and let's say look you've had really two really successful events here with no trouble the public have really enjoyed it you know it's it's got a good family atmosphere to it um and obviously where i think again i talk about perfect storm earlier i think where there's just been a void of all sorts of this these kind of events in the lead up to it the the public really bought into it and they really enjoyed it so that's when the following year we we moved down onto South Sea Seafront, which is where we still are now today. Yeah. So, so we, we so did you outgrow the dockyard, or or or, do, or were you tempted off the MOD land onto the local authority sort of land? You know, did they did they invite you over, or did you just say, look, we can't? You know, fifteen thousand is our limit here, sort of thing. Yeah, I suppose it was probably a little bit of both. It was real, really. You know, it was a shame to leave the dockyard behind because they were such a great team of people, um, and it was a unique venue. You know, you've got. <laughs> 500, 500 odd year old warship next to your main stage and and loads of other historical stuff um yeah. so it was really good for a customer experience point of view but i think yeah to be honest we had outgrown it and also the the council at, at that stage had sort of realized that you know this is this is a good event you know let, you know you can move to the seafront we, we you know we can offer you this this land um so it, it was a, it was a natural progression really it all happened looking it didn't seem it at the time well i don't know maybe it did but but looking back it all happened quite quickly really to go from mm-hmm. naught to f- from to, to your third year being on the, in a new venue larger venue um capacity i think we'd gone up to about thirty-five thousand was the first first year and then again the year after that which in 2015 is when we took on another bit of the common um so we sort of doubled the festival size again so it was quite a rapid rise in terms of yeah. scale yeah 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 and um you know there's 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 been loads of sort of charitable benefits isn't there you know you you, you sort of hear that you guys i mean how, how much have you donated to charity um obviously to the festival now and and, and that's not why you do it and we, we didn't plan to talk about this but i think it's important to because you do take up parts of the common and you know it's it's supported by 99 percent of the of the population isn't it brings loads of visitors into the city which is great um puts portsmouth on the map for the weekend but you know, you guys do give back as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, uh, I think it's coming up for nearly three hundred thousand pounds now, in terms of donations to local charities. Um, we, we we like to make sure that the local community benefits because, like you say, we you know they embrace us. Um, yeah. so it's important to give back. We do all sorts of stuff from just 
cash donations to charities, local charities. Uh, we pay for um, all the flower beds up the seafront to be replanted. Um, just, yeah, many, many different things really to, to put back into the community. And one thing that's really good, we have an economic impact report released by an independent company every year. They come down and assess uh, what we've done. And I think the boost to the local economy to the tune of about 10 or 11 million pounds a year now. Yeah. So bars, restaurants, cafes, hotels, taxis all do well. The local shops, um, the the uplift in tourism has been good from people that live outside the the city boundaries. Um, so that's all had a positive effect as well, which is good. Yeah, and no, I definitely and um, you know me me and some other mates own a own a bar actually uh, about a hundred yards from your festival entrance. So I can vouch for that. Um, it does You're welcome. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Um, I'll shout you a beer or two, but no, it, it does it does it does spill out into the you know in, into the wider uh, businesses, which is is absolutely key, isn't it? And um, and that's what everyone wants to see. Um, if you're talking you know, about sustainability, which is what you were getting at, um, it's so important because again, it's that collaboration thing you mentioned earlier. Everyone pulling together in the same direction, it just has has back benefits for everybody. Yeah, yeah, t- totally. Um, and and obviously, I've I've you know I've I've seen my brother. Uh, prepare for Victoria Festival and, and prepare for you know numerous festivals that, that that obviously his company does up and down the country these days. Um, and it's not it's not all glitz and glamour, is it? It's not all um, you know standing on standing on the main stage while the headline act plays. It's hard work and it's complicated work. And there's licenses and there's compliance and there's safety. Um, so that's probably the bit that people don't see or appreciate. Yeah, for sure. I, I suppose that within our team. Uh, we've got a fantastic team. Shout out to all the guys that work for us and have helped to build up to where we are now today. Um, but we, 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 I suppose I have one of the slightly better jobs <laughs> in terms of I'm in charge of all the stage production. So uh, I make sure the bands get on and the show looks good. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, especially in the early days, I used to help with it a bit more. But the health and safety, the operations, logistics, the bid, Build teams, subcontractors, content programming, uh, so many facets, um, you know, working with the local authorities, the police, the residents, um, it's it's endless and it, it's, it's obviously an all year round job. People, yeah. th- people think, you know, you, they see one weekend a year uh, and uh, they think, you know, you pack it down and then you just come back next year. It's definitely not the case. There's so much goes into it. Um, but like I say, we've got a fantastic team and um, hats off to all those guys that help us to make it such a success. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I think I've been to every Victorious Festival, uh, you know, for at least uh, for at least an afternoon or, or you know, sometimes a whole weekend, and it's been it's been great to see it grow. Um, you know, so I had some great times there. Um, I think we mentioned it in another podcast with a, obviously with a fellow um, entrepreneur from from obviously the festivals that that, that will be released in series one, which is a great podcast as well. Um, but you know, I think my highlight was was watching Noel Gallagher um, on on the Common. Um, obviously, big group of friends, and then everyone's on each each other's shoulders. And it, you know, obviously, as an Oasis fan yourself, that must have just been an incredible moment for you to you know. To, to 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 literally come from as you, as you said grow, growing up in Portsmouth there's not a, you know understandably I suppose the council were a bit nervous about putting on huge events and it's gone and it's snowballed and all of a sudden you've got an old Gallagher uh you know playing on Southsea Common you know what you know what did that feel like yeah that was that was definitely a special moment um 
to, as you say, a big Oasis fan as you are, um, to have one of your idols not only playing in your home city at a festival, but at your festival. Yeah. Um, that was that was a pretty special moment. Um, another one for me was when we had the Prodigy in 2018. Uh, we'd had uh, we'd been battered by the weather all day. It was horrendous. Um, and it was one of those, you talk about low, low moments. It was definitely a low moment. You thought I was just spent all year with my team planning this and there's sideways rain coming across the main stage and no one's coming in the gate because the weather is just biblical. That was, that was a really low moment, but the weather cleared and we, the, the site filled up and they were probably all in your bar, Simon. I was going to say the pubs were busy. The pubs <laughs> yeah. were busy because, um, yeah, uh, it, oh, but, mate, it was, it was, it was horrendous. Yeah, but, but obviously, you know, pe- people are there waiting for it to, obviously waiting for the rain to stop, which, which luckily, obviously in the end it did, didn't it? Yeah, the, the, the weather cleared um, and Prodigy went on as a headliner that night. And uh, I'm not just saying this because it's our festival, but in all my years of working festivals and events and in music industry, it's, it's definitely got to be in my top five of all live shows I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And that's the fact that it was at our festival was 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 just awesome. Um, and, and very sadly, obviously, uh, Keith from The Prodigy um, passed away a few months later. He took his own life. So we we were the last festival that The Prodigy, as we know them, that wow. uh, that they ever played at. Um, so that that was a pretty pretty poignant uh, moment. Uh, and just one other other moment. Uh, is when we first moved to the seafront 2014 we'd closed main stage we had too many DJs which are another big idols of mine um, yeah. I, I, I sat next to those guys on, a, on an easy jet believe it or not from Barcelona <laughs> to Ibiza <Yeah. laughs> they're, they're good they're, 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 they're top guys yeah. um, and they they were they're into their set and it was that moment where some of the team had gathered around the front of the stage some of the ops guys and the rest of our team and we all high-fived each other yeah. and that feeling of that few minutes mm. was like, we've, we've done something special here. You know, this is, yeah. you talk about leveling up. That was like getting in the elevator and going straight up to the hundredth floor. That was yeah. special. And that's the moments which you still, you still get. And that's what you do it for really. Yeah, no, no, totally, totally. Um, and, really good analogy there because uh, you know people don't just get in the elevator and go up to 100 floor do they there, there's there's floors um all the way up and quite often um you have to take the stairs uh and then there's not even an elevator so on on to the mindset of stuff you know people will um obviously look at you and your mates and, and think you know they've opened a pub they've opened two pubs they've opened a third they've got a small festival it's you know god these these guys are lucky everything they touch turns to gold Let's let us let us break this down a bit. You know how how was it done? Because you, um, yes, there's opportunity and yes, there's connections. But you know how how do you how do you kind of um, uh, you know make sure that either things get done each day, um, you're working towards a goal, um, and and you know keeping your mindset in check when all this crazy stuff's happening. Um, good communication amongst you. you- team your crew however you want to describe it is is key um regular sort of updates you know surround yourself with good people it's it's an old cliche you're in all walks of self-development you'll hear that time and time again i can't really uh, echo that sentiment enough um 
got to have good people around you. Um, none of this can be achieved by one person. It has to be a team all working in a cohesive way. Um, and just regularly checking in. I suppose the good good thing about our industry is it's it's, a, it's all based around being social. Yeah. Uh, not so much of a good thing in a pandemic, of course, but in in general. Um, so we tend to live our job as well. Um, you know, we we have business meetings, inverted commas, over a couple of beers in the pub. Um, we go to gigs, other gigs and festivals together. Um, so that that's quite a benefit to what we do. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say just just surround yourself with good people and, and always be willing to learn and, and ask questions as well. That's I, I always used to when I was younger and naive. You kind of you try and take as much stuff in and as you can, and you, you might not quite understand what someone's saying. And there's points I can remember where I, I should have just asked. Mm. Um, I should have just asked, and I would have got the answer quicker, and I would have learned a lot quicker. Um, so that's something that I've learned. Um, you, you know, you, you can maybe look like a fool for for a short while if you if you don't know the answer to something, but that's that's going to be the only way that you that you learn. I, I remember when we started the festival, we were we were really lucky to uh we made friends with john giddings who runs the isle of white festival yeah uh, and, he, and his number two dave Steele, fantastic bloke who actually came to work with us for a while and john was really welcoming and he said um come over to the festival you know meet my guys you can ask some questions you can you can um you know hang around and see how we do stuff and you know i always really thank him for that it was really kind of him to do so and um i was talking to a guy called ian who was the production manager of the whole of the Isle of Wight Festival and we were in his backstage cabin and he had all his operations going on and everything and then uh, I was sort of and I'd already done one Victorious Festival um, and he said we were having a conversation I can't remember exactly how it went but he he said along the lines of you'll never be able to do this on your own that your best bet is you get a company in and then you just watch what they do and um, then just take their framework and use it yourself Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not advisable for for people that haven't done it before. You know, you, you really need to know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I learned on the job. I just, yep. I did. Obviously, I had an experience through stage management uh, and such like. But you know, I'd gone from from running a couple of small gigs in a pub and you know swapping some mic equipment over in a nightclub to being production manager for a festival that's got fifty thousand people in it. Um, yeah. So that's i'm not sure if i've gone off on a tangent now i apologize but um it's uh it's a kind of lesson i suppose in start and get perfect later really exactly that and, and um you know there's, there's got to be an element of being comfortable with a calculated risk you'd say um you know I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the, the you know you'll, i mean you'll only ever do or, or produce what your social circle expects from you Right. If your social circle are, you know, one in the business with you and, and, and two, there's, there's, you know, there's an element of, of being comfortable with risk that, that, that's got to be, um, you know, a bit of a key to, you know, putting on any festival and, and, and starting anything pretty much. Yeah, of course. It's the old analysis paralysis, which we've spoken about before. Um, you can, you can spend forever and a day sat around, oh, you know, oh yeah, I'll just wait a more, you know, another month and I'll see how this goes. Yeah. Obviously, don't be foolish. Make sure you do your research. But you just, if you want to get in, you just have to jump in and start um, and, and learn along the way. And I think that's the same for a lot of entrepreneurs. 
Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, and in in terms of keeping your own sort of mind in check and keeping a positive outlook, have you got is have you got sort of success habits or routines that you that you often um, practice? And and have they have they changed from you know the the early days of the bars and the festival to kind of to now? Yeah, I've got a lot better. Um, for someone that used to organise gigs and now does a large festival, my organisational skills personally were terrible for years. Um, you know, paperwork stacked up here, there, and everywhere, and you know, not really, uh, not really keeping myself in in check that way. But I've definitely in the last five or six years since the festival sort of grown legs and got large, I've realised I've had to sort of address a few things like that. And um, so I tend to um i read a lot more now um always on audiobooks um physical book i have a little read here and there as i'm as i'm going throughout the day um and a lot of walking which i sort of tie the two together the listening um i i as we've spoken about before I tend to get up early and get all that stuff in in the bank and feel like i've had a bit of progress to the start to my day and it, it kind of sets me up and keeps me productive going forward for the rest of the day really so in in, in terms of the audio books and the podcast and everything that you sort of now sort of consume if you like um you know what's been some of the your your sort of biggest takeaways you know what what, what sort of mantras do you live by these days um that's a very good question i'd say it's always good to be judged by your actions um and and not your talk a lot of people talk good game um but i think you can only really be seen with any sort of credibility if you are doing stuff um and that's not to say it has to be a success you know even if people are making uh, mistakes and failures then that that's all part of the of the learning process so i think if you're just actually committing yourself to getting involved in projects or starting new businesses that's always a good thing and and i i think you can't really force an interest on yourself um, I know that that's definitely the case for me. I just, I've been interested in music. Um, I've been interested in going to the pub, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I just, I, I kind of, I had a, 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 an intuition of how the mechanics of these businesses worked um, and had a natural ability to be able to, to, to do them. So I've kind of let that guide me and, and, and perfected my skills along the way. Um Networking and people skills, obviously, as we mentioned before, is is a, is a big thing for me. I, I think that will get you so far. I mean, you have to have talent, of course. We spoke about that with uh, Chris Tremlett. You have to have a bit of talent, but um, I think how you apply yourself going forward is 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 good. Um, and uh, yeah, we we've got a friend actually, um, Tom, and his he says the only thing that he's not afraid of in life is is not having a good time. <laughs> so, so that was one I had to throw in there. But um, yeah, I, I think just 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 get involved and do it. Really, that's get started and and uh, learn along the way. Yeah, no, no, definitely. So you know, I mean, what would you say? I mean, we've we've kind of touched on it, but you know, what would you say drives you the most? Uh, in the early days, it was fear of failing. Yeah, um, that's not so much anymore now as I've come to learn that failure is all part of the process and failing is, is, is absolutely fine. If you're not failing, something's not not quite going right, I don't think. You need to be able to learn from these mistakes. Um, but the, the number one thing for me has always been doubters. If, if someone 
right tries to write me off or uh, it's, it's within context obviously if someone said to me oh you'll never walk on the moon right yeah of course I'm, I'm not going to go and train and be an astronaut and walk on the moon but within the context of my skill set uh, yeah. and what I'm trying to look to achieve someone telling me that I won't be able to do it is is a fantastic motivator uh, and I've always as I mentioned earlier in the interview those things tend have tended to stick with me and um I always sort of draw back on them and, and use them as a positive. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's the, that's it. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's the carrot and there's, and there's the stick and that's, that's the, that's the kind of two ways of obviously, you know, kind of motivating people. Um, but I've, I'm, I'm yet to meet someone that's just, you know, completely and utterly motivated by the positive outcome. You know, you, you do find a decent percentage of the blend being it obviously with some people, you know, that that's that's the way they're motivated. But um do you do you think that's do you think that's pretty common in human beings, isn't it? For, for, it just seems uh, it just seems a so obviously a strange reason that you know most people are, you know, seem to be kind of motivated by the negative. Yeah, it is odd. And another thing I've noticed, which you and I have spoken about before, um, there seems to be a bit of a difference between the mentality of people in Britain. And for example, America, I've got friends in America, if they start a business, um, they've got a lot of cheerleaders around them in their local community, friends, family, people will help them get set up um, and, and do that. But, and it's really, it does great on me a little bit because, you know, I do, I think Britain's a great country and it's got a lot going for it. But this, this one thing does great on me. And that's, I think some people there's a lot of people that aren't willing to be cheerleaders and I wouldn't go far as to say people want to see you fail, but there is definitely an element of that kind of thing uh, around, which is a real shame because I, I tend not to be like that. If I see a business doing well and being successful, I like to be positive. Mm. You know, I message people that I don't even know all the time. Um, I just drop them a message saying, Oh, you know really love your product or love your business looks like it's going really well um you know try and strike up a relationship that way um so i i think i'd like to see a bit more of that from people if possible just a bit more kind of support yeah. for, for that. I, I i agree it is strange and obviously i've been part of a business that, that started small and, and, and has grown as well um but i think you know I'm not sure whether it's a British thing or, or what, but we, we, we tend to like the underdog, don't we? You know, that's, 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 that's definitely key in the, in the sort of, you know, kind of British makeup and, and especially in, in Portsmouth and in, in, in the South of England, we, you know, it's definitely a sort of underdog type, type place. And then I think, you know, I can't speak for you guys, but obviously, you know, when we started our company, you get sort of five and then you get to six people and then you get to seven and people are, Oh my God, you know, you're, you're doing really well. You get to 15 and they don't, you know, there's, there, there is an element of, of certain type of personality that doesn't quite like it so much. Then, then you get to 30 and it's who, who do you think you are? It's like, well, who do I think I am? I, you know, we're, we're providing employment. You know, our, our whole business is, is set up not to just, you know, obviously provide employment internally, but to provide employment for thousands of people around the UK. Um, that's who I think we, we are. And I think, you know, and, it, and, it, and, it, and then you get to 60 and some people really switch off, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, um, it is, it's, it's a strange outlook. Um, but you know, possibly something that I've done in the past to others, and I'd you know I'd have to I'd have to assess that. Yeah, I, I think well, I think we we if we're all honest with ourselves, we probably look back, and there have been occasions where we've all done that to a certain extent. Yeah. 
Um, and it's only where we've sort of grown and developed ourselves, we sort of become aware of it. But to take you back to the point you were making on that about why it is, I'm not sure why it is, but maybe that's, as I mentioned, taking the doubters because they are you are going to have your doubters and the people that write you off and flipping that into a positive to drive yourself on then I suppose that's 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 the only way you can look at that issue yeah yeah no no definitely um and you know just finally we we've you know we've um we've certainly spoke about this in the past you know you, you've you've certainly kind of one of the people that I know that have designed their life um you know a lot of people <clears throat> you know, work, 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 and, and don't have a lot in terms of, you know, happiness or, or time with the family to, to, to show for it. But I think, you know, you've, you've definitely worked your nuts off, haven't you, in the, in the, in the, in the past and continue to do so, but you've, you've ring fenced time now with your family, time to go walking, time to enjoy the boat you've got in the marina, um, you know, time to, um, time to just be be you and 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 be a father and I think you know that's that's really admirable um and and something that's been designed rather than you know it's been it's, it's been lucky yes um it's uh I think you know the old cliche at the end of the day when you stand and look at yourself in the mirror you've only really got yourself to answer for haven't you yeah. um and to me true happiness is as you mentioned it's have you got a loving family you know, do you get enrichment from life from the small things? Um, I like to set a good example to my children. You know, I, I, I'm lucky enough. I have time to pick them up from school. I take my daughters. I take them both to dance lessons. I take them to tennis lessons. Um, and it's those moments that you can offer me the biggest salary in the world. You can offer me the, a huge mansion of a house. You can offer me a sports car that that's all irrelevant to me that's i mean if you end up getting those things in life fantastic well done um but i think um that having a loving family and a good circle of friends around you that's that's the most important thing you could ever wish for and um i'm i'm very thankful that i i do have that yeah yeah no no definitely um and you know certainly i think 2020's taught us you know uh, more more of that lesson than ever hasn't it um so in terms of the future then, um, obviously Victoria's Festival is in August. Um, tickets are on sale. Um, <laughs> I'll say it if you, if you won't. But um, uh, Show notes, Simon, show notes. Show, show notes, there, there'll be a link. There'll be a link, certainly. Um, so, you know, what you know, what does the sort of medium to long-term future hold? Um, I'd like to... Obviously, it's been an extremely difficult year in the events world. Uh, with with the pandemic it kind of goes without saying so I'm not going to dwell on it so to get the festival back up and running and back to the best that it can be and the best that you know we can make it that's my sort of short to medium term goal over the next few years uh, and likewise with our with our pub business to get the pub back up and and, and where it, where it is where it needs to be um, which is good um, but in the long yeah in the, in the sort of more medium to long term um, I got other ideas and businesses in in uh, lockdown. I um, accelerated some plans of a property business that I'd already started, uh, and that that's going fairly well. So um, that that's a, another string to the bow, which I'm interested in uh, in growing um, uh, over the next few years. Uh, and I, I'm enjoying that a lot, actually. I, I enjoy that side of things. And 
um yeah I, I i'm sure i've got lots of other ventures in me stuff that i've not even thought of this podcast has been been fantastic i've really enjoyed doing it so far um and we've obviously got some some big plans of of taking this a lot further mm-hmm. um which is which is great um but yeah just continuing to enjoy life really as as we've mentioned a minute ago just enjoying the family watching the kids grow up and just um having that quality time with 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 friends and and people that are close to you really yeah no definitely um and and that's what it's all about that's what it's all about that's that's what we've obviously kind of examined um so ben thank you very much for your time thank you um, Simon. thank you very much mr miles um it's been enlightening I, I i knew some of it i must admit i didn't know quite a bit so I, I've, I've enjoyed the chat as well um and also i think together we just like to thank everyone wouldn't we so far we i think we're on week or kind of full episode five, if you like. I think this will come out on episode five. Um, and so far, the response has been great. You know, we've had some genuine feedback um, of, of improvements we can make from my, from some of my mates, which is which is thanks for that. Um, but you, you know, and 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 we've also had, uh, as I said, our, our kind of upwards of a of, of hundred five star reviews. Um, and we charted what did we chart was it eleven? Well, yeah. At the time of this recording, we made the top fifty, number forty six to be precise of the Apple iTunes business charts. That's a global chart. Yes, okay. uh, and, that, and that's a very crowded. It's a very crowded market. It's a very crowded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think we went in at number 11, or we ended up uh, at our peak at number 11 in the entrepreneurship podcast charts, Yeah, yeah. Um, which it's not a bad start. Set the bar quite high for ourselves. <laughs> we it, need, it. Need, need to carry it up. But um, yeah. yeah, it's been a good start. It's been a good start. And um, so thanks to everyone that supported us um, so far. Um, it, it's it's sort of, you know we don't run adverts on the show. Um, I, you know Ben and I will have to talk about this, but you know we we want to keep it advert free for for po- you know as long as possible um, and, until we until you know we want to maybe increase the quality, which definitely I think we need to um, <laughs> for, from my angle. But um, but you know but I suppose there is a fee in that sense, and the fee is look you know subscribe. Um, you know, uh, leave us leave a five star review, um, and and you know, f- kind of follow our Instagram. If you can do one of those three things, you've you've paid the fee to listen. Yeah, and if you think anyone else that's not come across the podcast might really get some benefits and some value from it, then um, yeah, just help us spread the word because, um, like I think we've mentioned it already, we just we just like to help some people if possible, and and um, if anyone can take some inspiration from our guests and and the the content that is included in this podcast and that's a great thing that's it for another mindset musings podcast thank you for listening we really do appreciate our listeners and the feedback that we receive we hope you have either been entertained or gained something of value from the show if you have can we please ask you to leave us a five-star itunes review or a review wherever you feel is relevant please feel free to follow us on instagram at mindset.musings our personal insta handles are included in the bio Drop us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.